0: Welcome to the Perimenopausal Mamas Podcast, for hormonal mamas who want to reclaim their own natural state of health to thrive and raise healthy kids. I'm Dr. Lisa Weeks, naturopathic doctor in Toronto, Canada. I'm a perimenopausal mama to my toddler named Stuart.
1: And I'm Dr. Tony Reed. I'm a naturopathic doctor, birth doula, and hypnobirthing educator in Calgary, Alberta. And I'm a perimenopausal mama to my little girl Frankie. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not meant to substitute professional medical advice. Always consult with your licensed healthcare provider.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Perimenopausal Mamas podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about allergies, asthma, and eczema. I think it's timely because allergy sufferers suffer every year, but this year, I think it's extra challenging because every time they sneeze or blow their nose, they're probably getting dirty looks from those around them because of the fear of the pandemic. Um, and we know in you know, stress definitely can impact allergies and make allergy symptoms worse, as well as skin rashes like eczema. Eczema. I know I see so many kids with eczema, um, asthma, and then typically in adults I see a lot with allergies, but also some eczema as well. So we're going to dive deep into what is an allergy, what causes these symptoms, and what you can do about it. But before we get started, let's talk a little bit about our kiddos, Tony, and then our experience with allergies. Do you want to go first? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I know that uh, with my experience
1: with Frankie, you know, right off the bat, almost uh, eczema was happening. We, uh, She had some skin rashes. Um, and thankfully, it wasn't like really severe. You know, I've definitely seen cases of kids where, you know, it's almost head to toe poor things. But with Frankie, it was just like little patches. And um, it wasn't necessarily the classic you know, patches where it was kind of creases of elbows or knees, but it was, you know, on her arm, on her cheek, on her back, and, uh, and, you know, it thankfully wasn't too severe, but I wanted to get on top of it right away and really looked at, at uh, you know, we'll talk more about some of the food triggers that can come into it, but, but that definitely played a role with her. And, and we found some, some really nice uh, creams that, that really helped to, to clear things up really quite, quite quickly. How about you, Lisa? Did you have yeah. that, that yes, issue Stuart
0: too? too? Yeah, so he would get patches mostly on his cheeks related to a food sensitivity, which we can get into. So we figured that out and eliminated it and did some work on the gut, which we'll also talk about. But yeah, I myself, I I was getting hives during a really stressful time in my life, even around hormonal changes too after having Stewart. And we're gonna talk about how in perimenopause and menopause, so many more women get hives. I see so many more coming to my practice where it was never an issue before. And it's like, oh my gosh, every day I'm getting them. I can't figure out why. So we're also going to discuss the hormonal links related to that because it is it is very debilitating. It can affect your sleep. You know, you're so uncomfortable. Uh, so we'll jump into that. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what is an allergy. So it is a hypersensitivity disorder of the immune system. So you're, you're reacting to things that ideally you wouldn't be reacting to and maybe somebody else doesn't but for some reason your body's saying nope this isn't good let's mount an immune response which then can cause an inflammatory response and symptoms like the typical itchy watery red eyes you know the runny nose and sneezing people can get those sinus headaches that pressure and that can be really bothersome as well They can have an itchy throat in that post-nasal drip where they're clearing their throat all the time. Um, And then it can manifest in the skin, right? So eczema, um, so it's typically itchy, red, um, usually more on the folds, like the inner wrist crease, inner elbows, behind the knees, but it can be different areas too, asthma, it can be a sign of allergy. So there's that wheezing, coughing, shortness of breath, hives, as we talked about. So those can be more transient than eczema, right? So they, you get itchy, maybe you have some red marks or swelling that comes up on different areas of the body, and then it goes away um, not too long after. And then the anaphylaxis is the most severe form of an allergy where it's life threatening, right? So the airways can close up, your tongue can swell, you can have swelling, of the lips, uh, what we call angioedema. So that's a medical emergency, and you must go to the hospital right away for that. But we're going to talk about how to manage the less uh, severe symptoms or conditions related to allergic tendency. Um, And we'll dive right in.
1: Yeah, because, you know, these, uh, how people are reacting to, you know, our environment is changing, and the prevalence of allergies and asthma and eczema in ourselves and in our kids especially has really gone up over the years um, you know thinking about you know of course we don't necessarily want those those really severe al- allergies and and the uh, anaphylaxis but you know the the typical allergies or like an allergic rhinitis of like runny nose or even dark circles under the eyes in our kids you know um, there' are stats that that can affect as many as you know almost half of the kids in the U.S. And and definitely, you know, industrialized countries uh, tend to be experiencing these more. Uh, Even the CDC in in the US had reported that food allergies increased by like 18% since the 1990s. And eczema, that kind of inflammatory skin condition is uh, in affects, you know, about one in five kids. And that's a rate that's tripled over, you know, kind of the past 30 years. Um, And again, Asthma has also tripled, um, you know, from you know 1980 on. So it's it's affecting at least you know one in eight kids in the U.S. So I'm you know I'm sure in Canada and and other you know um, industrialized countries that the numbers are are really quite similar, unfortunately
0: definitely. Yeah. So it's looking at, you know, why is this happening? And there's lots of different theories out there. But you may have heard of the hygiene hypothesis, where we went in the wrong direction in terms of trying to keep everything perfectly clean using antibacterial this and that not allowing any um, dust or, you know, outside germs, if you will, into our house getting scared of kids playing in the dirt. And we realized this really set up the immune system to be more Reactive and increase the allergies. Um, so we know that we need to be exposed to soil. We need to be exposed to dirt in order for our immune system to then know how to respond appropriately or else it's just going to become overreactive if we live in this like sterile environment. And then we also look at our microbiome, right? So um, what's happening in our gut in terms of the good bacteria that are there, which can be disrupted by antibiotic use, for example, it can be disrupted by, you know, if someone is vaginally birthed or formula fed, it doesn't mean they're set up and they're all hope is lost. But it's just something we need to recognize that then they're not being exposed to the vaginal bacteria from their mom's canal. They're not necessarily getting those prebiotics from the breast milk, although these things can be corrected for for sure. So if you know, that's the case, there's definitely ways to make up for that. And then we also look at Are we missing nutrients in our diet that are really important to balance our immune function? Are we not getting enough antioxidants and fruits and vegetables which downregulate our immune reactivity? and then layer on all the toxins in our environment. Our liver is processing so much more than before, even when our parents were kids. And the liver is involved in filtering out some of those allergens. So if it's not able to work properly, or it's overloaded by other chemicals, then you're going to have more immune reaction. And plus, on stress, right? We know over the years, stress has been increasing and increasing and that impacts our immune reactivity as well. Absolutely,
1: and you know a a key piece I think is is you know when we talk about uh, the very first start when we are born, like you said, Lisa, and that idea of you know that disruption of our microbiome or that gut bacteria, because you know over half of our immune system is in our gut, so there's a a really key piece to that, and you know when we 're born um vaginally or when we 're born by C section definitely makes a difference um. And, uh, and, you know, getting formula fed versus breastfed. I mean, there's, there's a, a number of that good bacteria that can pass through the breast milk too. And, and we know that um, there are links between having a reduced kind of diversity of our, of the bacteria in our gut or or that gut flora is linked with increased risks of, of things like eczema. Um, and we also know that um, again, damage to our gut lining can trigger more immune reactions, um, which again, we'll, we'll touch on today, but you can also kind of see our, our past episode on, on leaky gut that can also um, give you more information about that as well. Mm-hmm, definitely.
0: And you can be, you know, there is a genetic component, but with, now we know genes aren't, you know, our fate 100%. hundred So we, in, we can inherit certain genes. And if our parents have allergic tendencies, we're more likely to have those. But now we know what we do in terms of our nutrition, our lifestyle, our toxin exposure can influence the expression of those genes. So there's ways to downregulate it. And most babies, well, babies are born with an allergic tendency. So with a breastfeeding, with giving them what they need, that's going to help really down regulate that. Because I like to think of our immune system kind of like a teeter totter or a seesaw. Uh, one part or one side of the teeter totter is called Th1, the other side is called Th2. And we want that teeter totter to be kind of in balance, right? If it's leaning, if the higher part is the Th2 immune response, that's more of the allergic tendency. Um, and you could be, you know, you're born that way, but what you do can help bring that side of the teeter-totter down so it's more balanced when people have autoimmune conditions for example that th1 side of the teeter-totter is higher than the allergic response and there's ways to bring that down as well and probiotics or good gut health is really a key component to that um too and we Uh, yeah sorry go ahead tony oh yeah absolutely i was and i was just
1: going to to also kind of chime in lisa that um we are are finding out with more and more research that um that good bacteria in our gut that that beneficial bacteria is really needed to, as we uh, develop as, as babies and as kids, we really need that bacteria to develop tolerance to our environment and, and that kind of oral tolerance and immune tolerance so that we are um, so that our immune system really learns what to react against and fight against. Um, versus what to um, tolerate and not necessarily mount uh, a huge response against as well.
0: Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. And then getting back to that, you know, hygiene hypothesis. So there was a study where germ-free baby mice um, had more pronounced allergic responses that lasted longer than those uh, baby mice that were exposed to germs. And then when those mice were given probiotics, so the good bacteria, so what they would have been missing because they were germ-free in quotes, so meaning even the good bacteria were missing. Um, when. And they were given the probiotics, their allergic symptoms were significantly reduced. Um, and then other studies have shown children in Estonia are less allergic than those in Switzerland. That's kind of interesting. And they looked at the number of good bacteria in children from Estonia versus Switzerland. And the ones from Estonia had higher numbers of good bacteria. So we know what's happening in our gut really influences our immunity. And as you mentioned, Tony, more than half of our immune system is found in our gut. And the bacteria lining the intestines really are involved in that tolerance and how the immune system responds. And
1: it'll be really interesting to see what happens because, you know, over the past year, we are cleaning and disinfecting way more than we ever used to before. So, this, again, this idea of the hygiene hypothesis, if already, um, the the cleanliness uh, really contributed to this increase in in allergies and and asthma. Um, What's going to happen with all of the extra cleaning that we've been doing because of the pandemic? And, And I think actually that research has already started on that. So it's definitely something to keep in mind that, okay, we want to make sure that things are properly disinfected, but what else do we need to look at in terms of triggers for this kind of allergic um, response or, or kind of overstimulation of the immune system, overreactivity of the immune system? And then, okay, what can we do right now, even while we're kind of doing the extra cleaning and disinfecting, what can we do to, to really uh, give our, our, our immune systems the, the most that it needs, and of course, our kids as well?
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good point, right? Because even people were, you know, disinfecting their food and their produce. And yeah, granted, you want to kill off some things, but not all the good bacteria that could potentially be there as well. So I think it's a great thing to keep our eye on. You know, we want to be safe, but we don't want to cause any long-term problems from, from spiraling out and be, becoming an issue. So, um, so when you have an allergic response, let's think about what's happening, right? So you have the allergen, which is the trigger. So that can be pollen from the environment, right? That could be dander from a cat, for an example. And what that does is it binds to a receptor on what's called mast cells. So um, and these are the cells that release histamine, right? That causes that inflammatory response. Um, And things that, you know, can, or symptoms of, you know, histamine having an effect or being released is vasodilation meaning the blood vessels get larger. So there's swelling, redness and inflammation. So that can be in the skin as skin rashes, for example, Um, things uh, leak out. So you know, your nose starts to run, you sneeze, you have nasal congestion, your eyes water, you might have some congestion in your lungs, and it can even impact the inflammation in your gut too. And then in the airways, the histamine causes the airways to contract, so it's harder to breathe, and it impacts the skin. So it makes the cells of the skin a little bit further apart, swelling, itchy, redness and hives results too. And I also like to think of, we have what we call like a histamine bucket as the way I describe it. So we have inputs that trigger the release of histamine like pollen, but foods can contain histamine too. But ideally on that bucket, there's a spout. So we have enzymes that break down the histamine and hopefully we're breaking the histamine down at a rate you know, quicker, or at least at the same rate as that bucket's being filled up with histamine. Um, so, you know, foods that contain histamine can be aged cheeses, deli meats, fermented foods, um, shellfish, canned fish, we can go through, we'll post a whole list in our show notes, but that can fill up your histamine bucket and then throw in if you're having a histamine response, the mast cells are releasing histamine from pollens in the environment, from dust, from cockroaches, from pets for, example, that can be really filling up that bucket. And when that bucket overflows is when you get some of these symptoms. And for each person, it could, you know, manifest in different areas like the lungs, for asthma, the skin, like eczema, you know, the nasal passages for allergies. So we want to reduce the inputs as much as possible. And we'll talk about that. But then we also want to support how your body's breaking down the histamine so it can get it out of your system so you don't have that reaction.
1: Absolutely, and you know, you may be listening and and thinking, okay, well, you know, there we already have ways of of dealing with allergies and. eczema right you know there's um antihistamine medication there's steroids whether it's a steroid cream or a steroid inhaler or a a decongestant um there's things like like benadryl um those uh, tend to all you know reduce and inhibit the action of histamine um you know steroids kind of suppress that overactive immune response um also you know in a uh, case of anaphylaxis and, and using something like an epipen or epinephrine or adrenaline, um, it actually you know dilates um, the the airway so so that breathing can be easier as well. Um, And there can be impacts of using those kind of conventional medical treatments. Um, You know, things, something like using a a steroid cream on a regular basis can cause thinning of the skin. Um, And there's definitely different side effects and adverse effects of of using things like antihistamines, whether it's um, drowsiness, um, and and also impacting, you know, again, just an overall uh, increase load on the liver and the kidneys to be able to do Deal with that. So, you know, this is where it's nice to have those medications when needed. And we can definitely look at what to do, asking the question why. Can we correct it from the inside out and really shift and get to the the root cause of what's going on so that there's less dependence on those medications? Mm
0: Definitely, yes. So in naturopathic medicine, our ultimate goal is to prevent allergies. So that can take, you know, several months, a year of work with a naturopath, depending on, you know, how severe your allergies are, the changes that you've made. But then there are also things you can do in the short term for actual acute symptoms instead of reaching for that antihistamine or steroid cream. So we're going to go through some ways that a naturopathic doctor and such as Tony and myself approach allergies, but I think we'll... dive into a little bit more about, you know, some of the causes in terms of, you know, maybe supporting organ function, nutritional deficiencies, etc. So when we think about allergies, we definitely want to think about gut health. So we already touched on that. But we also want to think about the liver because the liver is our major detoxifier, it filters all of the blood in our body, removing things that are more harmful things like toxins and allergens and hormones and chemicals. Um, And if it's overworked, because it's doing so much getting rid of other junk, if you will, then it's not going to be able to remove those allergens appropriately. And then your body has more of that reaction to it. Um, And in the liver, there's a system, we won't get into it, but it's a system of immune cells that remove antigens from the digestive system. So it's also key in cleaning up the junk from our gut too. So we always look at the liver and making sure we're supporting it through different herbs and supplements. You know, we've gone through some of these before, in our, I think we did a detoxification episode, Tony. It's we already done seventy three episodes. I can't <laughs> even remember anymore. <laughs> We'll link to that episode on detoxification, folks. Yes, yes. So we link to that, but that's definitely a key component. And then we touched on stress too, right? So it's interesting because when you have, you know, allergies, asthma, eczema, there's usually some form of like cortisol, corticosteroid recommended, right? Because we need the right amount of cortisol from our adrenal glands at the right times because it has anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, you know, anti-allergic effects. But if that cortisol cortisol is dysregulated, your stress response has been out of whack, um, then you're going to need something like a steroid inhaler for asthma or a corticosteroid cream for your skin. Or, you know, um, oral steroids too, if you're having hives, for example. Um, So, we want to support the adrenal glands as much as possible. And we've also talked about this a lot, right? So, I think we can link to that. But, you know, major things are having a good routine, having a good sleep, dealing with stress, you know, avoiding anything too stimulating, too much coffee, supporting different nutrients like B vitamins, vitamin C, adaptogenic herbs. But I think we can link to that because that'd be. whole other podcast episode, which we've done.
1: Oh, <laughs> <Right>? absolutely. <Yeah.
0: laughs> for sure. And
1: I think that's really a, a key piece of thinking about okay, if if you're experiencing allergies, asthma or or eczema, or if your kids are, you know, when you are a child. You know what was kind of your environment? In you know, uh, environmental pollution, that kind of the the toxin overload that the liver has to deal with is something to to consider thinking about. So you know what was air quality like? What was water quality like? Um, And you can also think about, you know, how much stress did you have as a kid? How how much stress do do your kids have? Um, You know, as kids, we need, uh, we really need a a certain amount of security and and safety. And if that's not there, then that stress can really be triggered. And absolutely, that can really impact uh, cortisol levels and and impact uh, our inflammatory response in our body as well. So. Those are, are really things to, to think about, as well as thinking about some of the nutrients that are really key um, in terms of triggers and also the nutrients that we really need to help to support our immune system to work properly. There are certain foods that are just higher on the list of um, having an allergenic response in the body. Um, There are foods that we kind of, in in traditional Chinese medicine are considered like mucus-producing foods, Uh, things like dairy, things like gluten, things like sugar, bananas, processed foods, fried foods, um, chocolate, you know, those are all the foods to really look at that can stimulate, um, you know, more of an inflammatory response in uh, in people, as well as, you know, even thinking of um, other pro-inflammatory foods like red meat, um, the nightshade family plants, tomatoes, potatoes, eggplant. um, Certain people will have reactions to eggs or um, oranges, citrus, uh, grapefruit, soy, shellfish, um, you know, and even pork. So again, there's there's a, a few different groups of foods to really look at of what could be triggers, what foods could increase those symptoms.
0: For sure. So you want to do an individual workup with your naturopathic doctor, with Dr. Tony or I, if you don't have one, but looking at, yeah, whether it's a food sensitivity test for, you know, it can be done in kids and adults. Is it an elimination diet where you remove some of those foods and then reintroduce them after a period of time to see what happens? But that needs to be investigated because we know leaky gut is a driver of allergies, asthma, eczema. Um, so not only, you know, the foods being explored, but also looking at, okay, has there been any antibiotic overuse, the use of proton pump inhibitors, when maybe there's some other ways to deal with reflux or gut health, or even the overprescribing of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like, you know, Motrin, Aleve, Advil, these can contribute to leaky gut. And then you can be more reactive to things that you are eating. Um, And we know those proton pump inhibitors also interfere with the absorption of the nutrients you need to have a balanced stress response, a balanced immune response, so it can affect you in so many different ways, but definitely get a nutritional workup and then look at the kind of fats that you're eating in your diet because we know omega-6 is more inflammatory. Omega-3 is really anti-inflammatory. And typically, you know, the standard American diet has too much omega-3, or sorry, too much omega-6 and not enough omega-3. You know, omega-6 you get from canola oil, sunflower oil, uh, soybean oil, lots of the vegetable oils, safflower. So this increases inflammation and the allergic response you know omega-3 people might be getting maybe from some fish maybe they have it a couple times a week you know maybe some flax sources although that's really not that high in the active components of omega-3 so ideally you are supplementing ideally from either a fish oil source or an algae source, you can actually get an omega-3 from that if you're a vegetarian or vegan, Um, but getting in, you know, healthy sources of fish, like the small fish as well, anchovies, sardines, mackerel, herring, those are less contaminated with the heavy metals. Salmon can be good as well, but the omega-3 really does help to balance the immune system um, because you really want a ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 to be four to one, Um, But typically in our Western diet, it's a ratio of 10 to 1. So there's so much more omega-6 than omega-3 that we need. Um, And in Japan, they they had typically more omega-3 in fish before it was westernized. And when their diet was westernized, their allergy rate really increased. And that's really something to be aware of when it comes to
1: those essential fatty acids that can, can really you know, come into play in terms of balancing the immune system. Um, you know, Definitely a fish source for omega three fatty acids can be really key. One of my favorite sources of omega threes is actually hemp, hemp oil, hemp seeds. And it actually even contains one of the omega sixes that is uh, is more anti-inflammatory uh, the GLA, so it's kind of nice to have that balance. Um, again, we don't. It's not like we have to take all omega six out of out of our diet completely, but you know, like you said, that ratio is really important. And also making sure that you're getting components of uh, that have GLA like hemp or evening primrose or, or barrage uh, is also key, um, as well as getting you know, the, the plant sources of omega-3 that have the um, alpha-linolenic acid, but also the, the EPA and DHA in the fish.
0: Yeah, really good recommendations there, because yeah, it really does help balance that teeter totter when there's that allergic response increase. And then other nutrients we know that are key to support our immune response and our stress levels. So definitely, you know, zinc and vitamin C are big ones. Vitamin D also helps balance our immune function, whether there's autoimmunity, allergies, or both. Well, you typically don't have both at the same time, but you know, maybe the odd person does. Vitamin A is another key nutrient too. And then to support the stress response, things like B vitamins, magnesium, and we already talked about probiotics too
1: yeah and again a lot of those nutrients are found in the colorful fruits and veggies um but there's also um certain nutrients that you are really found in more of the animal sources as well um even you know thinking of of something like vitamin a which is is really key for our immune system and our skin health um you know retinol is is a source of vitamin a or a form of vitamin a it's more active form of vitamin a and it's more found in in animal products like liver and and milk whereas um, something like beta carotene is a different form of vitamin a again found in you know things like carrots and 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 orange uh, fruits and veggies so we'll list more of you know some of those sources of nutrients
0: in our show notes as well For sure. And then, you know, if you, you know, read about allergies and naturopathic medicine, you probably come across quercetin. So quercetin is so great. It's an antioxidant. It helps to prevent the release of the histamine without having the negative side effects that some of the, you know, medications have. Quercetin is naturally found in things like the apple skins, red grapes, berries, red onions, black tea, and capers. But typically when you're suffering from allergy symptoms, you're going to want to get it in a supplement form typically you absorb it better mixed with what's called bromelain which is from the stem of pineapples and those both work really well to reduce allergies when you have that acute flare-up you know you may need to take it uh, several times a day between meals is when you best um, absorb it and it has the best effect but that can be like a natural antihistamine without the drowsy effects and then you just get that nice antioxidant benefit as well
1: And a nice bonus of all of these nutrients, when we're talking about kind of reducing allergic response, is that they also support the immune system to really properly manage uh, and deal with viruses and and bacteria and infections. Um, These are definitely nutrients that, uh, you know, I talked to Dr. Paul Anderson about already last year when we were um, talking about the pandemic and, and some of the research that's being done on um, natural nutrients, vitamins that can really help to support the immune system. So we'll definitely link to that episode in the show notes as well. So, you know, one of the great things about taking um, vitamins and and nutrients is looking at, you know, the side benefits of of these nutrients and all of the, the different kind of aspects of how it supports your immune system and your health um instead of you know having to deal with with side effects or or negative effects of of taking them
0: For sure. And a lot of women in perimenopause or, you know, maybe approaching perimenopause start to notice shifts and their doctor may recommend a birth control pill. So we've gone through all the nutrient depletions from that, but that can interfere with those nutrients or you're not going to get those nutrients that we just listed that you need for a balanced immune response and stress response. So potentially that could be playing a contributing factor as well. And then looking at, um, I'm seeing so many patients in perimenopause and menopause have hives you know, where they never had them before. So what's going on? So in perimenopause, we know the estrogen is up and down, and it's all over the place. And in menopause, it's typically, you know, bottomed out. But we know that estrogen plays an important role in our skin health. Um, It actually impacts the bacteria or what we call the microbiome of our mouth, our gut and our skin. So when we have hormonal changes in that estrogen, it can increase the gut bacteria and increase intestinal permeability. So then we're more likely to have reactions to things that we wouldn't normally react to. Um, so itchiness in perimenopause and menopause is actually fairly common, and hives are twice as common in women as in men, and are can be associated with those hormone changes. So even in menopause, pregnancy, the use of birth control or hormone replacement therapy. They're still studying the exact mechanism, um, but we do know that those sex hormones modulate our immunity and also the inf- inflammation in our body and even how the mast cells release histamine. In one study, the patients that had chronic hives, they were shown to have lower levels of what's called serum DHEAS. That's a hormone made from our adrenal glands that declines with age. Um, And we know that stress can typically increase in perimenopause and menopause for various reasons. And you know, when our stress hormones are dropping, our cortisol is going to you know, work even more in our body, like it's going to appear higher than it actually is, because the hormones are all, you know, a fine web, and they work in concert with each other. So if some drop, the other ones that are there are going to have more of an effect. So you're going to feel more the effects of the stress hormones too. And we know cortisol is, is um, definitely associated with hives, cortisol imbalances. Yeah, so
1: when we're looking at getting down to the root of what's actually going on, um, especially as naturopathic doctors, it really makes sense to do some investigation to figure out exactly what's involved. And there are some different lab tests um, that, you know, we consider when we're working with our patients with um, these kind of allergic responses. Um, You know, testing hormones can be uh, helpful in a lot of of cases. And again, this can be uh, done through blood work. It can also be done through the urine using the Dutch test, which is a really comprehensive uh, hormone test. Also, looking at uh, like we mentioned, uh, some food sensitivity. So, some testing your IgG um, food sensitivity uh, results can give us a sense of what foods are actually triggering more of that immune response. There's uh, different types of micronutrient testing that's available. Um, looking at you know what your levels of vitamin D are like. There are some specialized labs that that really look deeper in terms of. Um, levels of zinc, vitamin A, omega threes, some of those other antioxidants as well that that work in the body, um, and you know we can even do um, some comprehensive stool testing to look at what is uh, your gut environment like. What's the balance of bacteria there? Um, is there the presence of something like zonulin that that can be a marker for leaky gut? So so those are some tests to to really
0: consider looking at. For sure. And then once you know what the cause is, then you can tease out what, you know, is important for you to work on and, and to use. But common, you know, treatments um, for allergies and hives, etc. A really good herb is called stinging nettle, otherwise known as urtica dioica. I never say it properly, but um, I love it as a tea. So it's basically like a multi mineral of teas that has even a bit of iron in there, some uh, bioflavonoids in there. So it can help reduce that allergic response. And you typically want to steep a bag for at least 10 minutes, you can drink it a couple times a day. But that's great. And then we talked about quercetin and bromelain and another herb called boswellia is anti-inflammatory and can reduce the swelling in the nasal passages or sinuses. Another favorite is N-acetylcysteine. So that is called NAC as well, NAC or N-A-C. And that helps to break up mucus, but it also supports our liver and detoxification, which we know is key. Um, yeah, very good antioxidant too. So those would be some of my favorites as well as what's called ribes nigrum or black currant bud. So this works on our adrenal glands. It has natural corticosteroid effects. So when people have allergic reactions or you know they're wanting to reach for an inhaler, sometimes this can help in its place to help reduce that reactivity, reducing the inflammation and the allergic response.
1: I love all of those nutrients. So again, for some people, it really is about looking out kind of what combination of things or, or really works best for you or, or is the right fit for you. Uh, one of the first things that I think about when people are having a, an allergic response is something like a neti pot or doing a sinus rinse or, or nasal lavage to, to really kind of clear out those um, particles that they may be inhaling, you know, whether it's pollen or dust or dander to to really reduce the amount of irritation to uh to the the sinus passages so using something like a neti pot or or a product called a navage can really help to clear that out um Steam inhalation can also be really helpful, and and sometimes even using some essential oils uh, like eucalyptus, peppermint, thyme uh, can act as decongestants and and really help to clear um you know clear out the any kind of congestion that you're feeling as well. Really looking at air quality in your house is really key especially if you're spending a lot of time indoors like you may be right now looking at what kind of heating ventilation air conditioning systems you have looking at getting filters like a HEPA filter on there um, avoiding carpet because carpets can be like a sponge for collecting all of those um all of those particles that can cause more irritation Um, more, you know, hard flooring, where you can really clean them really thoroughly more easily is really key. Um, And then looking at, you know, dusting, cleaning, reducing um, dust buildup, and taking care of your animals. Um, My recommendation is always as much as possible, keep pets out of the bedroom. um, And, and really, you know, keep them uh, properly bathed
0: and, and cleaned as much as you can. Definitely great recommendations to just clear your environment. Yeah, blow your nose right when you come in from outside. That can be effective too. So you're clearing out all those pollens or triggers there. And then depending on the symptoms, there's different homeopathic remedies that can be recommended that can help in the short term. So that's a good go-to as well, where there are those little pellets or liquid that you take in, in the moment there. But you'd see your naturopathic doctor um to figure out which ones would be right for you and some naturopaths some other practitioners are trained in using low doses of different types of pollen so then it gets your immune system tolerant to it so you slowly increase the dose of that so then your immune system knows how to handle it without being overreactive so that's another option out there too.
1: Yeah, and something to even consider that some people will will do similarly is even to uh, regularly take in uh, small amounts of local honey, um, because some of those pollens um, are in the local honey, and that can help to, you know, reduce the, the sensitivity of your immune system. Um, you know, I, and I think about that, especially when um, you're working on your gut health, when you're uh, getting in, you know, a, an appropriate, Balance of you know probiotics, fermented foods, uh, prebiotics, fiber to to really help to make sure that that your immune system can properly tolerate those those small doses um, in the local honey. Mm-hmm. Uh, And then even looking at, you know, something like eczema, Uh, you know, if you're really needing something to to help to support the skin, using moisturizing oils like coconut, like shea, like jojoba, um, calendula can be really soothing and helpful. Oat baths can, can be really soothing and helpful. Um, you know, basically oils, anything uh, really uh, except olive oil can, can actually be irritating for the skin and, and kind of can break down skin more. But there's a, a number of different uh, ways that you can really soothe the skin topically while you're working from the inside out.
0: Definitely. And when we're thinking of kids, so, you know, my approach usually is looking at, okay, making sure they're getting those nutrients, so maybe a good quality multivitamin, a bit of vitamin D and probiotics, maybe some omega three, because that can balance out their immune function. And then if needed, things like the black currant bud we I do use in kids, um, as well as you could give them the stinging nettles tea in like a popsicle form, you know, you could put it with a little bit of juice if needed. Right now, it's getting warmer here. So people are making more more popsicles, but you can use a base of a herbal tea for kids and stinging nettle can be one of those as well. That's a great tip, Lisa. I love that.
1: I think we covered our bases there when we're talking about um, the allergic triad of of allergies, asthma, and and eczema.
0: Lisa, is there anything else that you want to add before we switch gears? No, I think we covered it. So hopefully uh, everybody links to some of the other show notes too to learn more about the leaky gut and detoxification because that's really key as well when we're talking about the allergic triad.
1: Yeah, and especially stress, and and, um, you know, really developing some some really good coping strategies, uh, for that for both yourself and your kids is is really key.
0: For sure. Well, Tony, I want to ask you now, since we're uh, moving on to the next part of the podcast, what's your super mom moment?
1: So, uh, actually, just yesterday. We it was gorgeous weather here in southern Alberta, uh, so we decided to go hiking. It was our first hike out in the mountains um, for the year, and I totally rocked it. I was totally prepared for this little day trip that we took. Um, I packed everything we needed. We had sunscreen. We had snacks. We had water. We had liquids. We had you know extra clothes if needed i kept on top of pee breaks so there weren't any accidents um and you know, we even ran into a, a friend of ours on the trail who was dealing with kind of a little uh, p accident with with his little girl. And I even you know realized later you know after we had passed them that I could have offered you know uh, some clothes to you know because I had brought a backup set of clothes just in case we had a p accident. But I didn't even check to see if they needed it. But I just I, I felt like I uh, you know deserved a gold star for that one because the day was nothing but fun Um, we had fresh air sunshine we were out um, you know in you know in the middle of nowhere appropriately distanced from other people we definitely weren't alone but it was just so fantastic to get uh, just out of the city and into nature it was and to do it with the family too
0: Amazing. I love that. It sounds like a perfect day and you were prepared for anything that would happen which makes it even better, right? No surprises.
1: And thankfully nothing happened. So that's yeah. that's always a bonus. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Now, how about you, Lisa? I know you are an awesome mom. But uh, do you have a mama mess up that you can share with us?
0: Yeah, I guess it's just more to, you know, a mess up on myself. It doesn't involve Stuart, but I, you know, I I got away from craving sugar as a kid and a teenager. I love sugar now then. I was, you know, more of a, a salty craving type person. But lately, I've been getting more things with those natural and air quote sweeteners. Like I bought some pure gum. I got, you know, smart sweets, as we talked about, some electrolyte powder just to mix it up with my water. Um, But I started to want more and more as I was having them. So I was chewing gum several times a day just for like a minute or two and then spit it out because I just like the taste and it. You know, the mint kind of woke me up a little bit. Um, But my cravings for these natural sweeteners went up. And then, oh my gosh, I paid the price because I'd never been so bloated in my whole life. By the end of the day, I felt like I was a balloon and I was going to pop. So I thought, you know what, I got to cut those out. I'm not even having those natural sweeteners anymore, because some people, it does bother them anything with the OL on the end. Stevia doesn't seem to be bad for me. But the xylitol, urethritol, I think just because I was doing it in such higher doses was really taking its toll. So I've cut that out. And now I'm, you know, back to if I want something, you know, a little naturally sweet, I'm making some smoothies, I bought some beetroot powder, which I'll talk about in a moment, adding some, you know, fruit instead, but I had to cut that out. So that was my mess up. So warning, you can get addicted to those natural sweeteners and you can have some negative effects.
1: <laughs> oh, no. Well, at least you realized what was going on. And um, you made some switches to to be able
0: to, you know, re- reduce that effect on you. Totally. Yeah. So I've, it's only been two days, but I notice a difference. And then Tony, what's your mama must have? So, uh, you know, we're talking
1: about um, eczema and skin um, especially here in calgary it's pretty dry and so having a, a really good lotion um, for hands and body to comp out dryness and you know especially when you're wa- we're washing our hands more we're using more hand sanitizers I- i've I find that you know having a really good lotion is more important than ever before. So I have a couple that I really like. Um, the Rocky Mountain Soap Company is a local company here. They have an omega three hand cream which is so lovely. Um, it's a vanilla coconut um, scent, and it's not a fragrance. Um, it's it's an, an it's natural. It's essential oil, so you don't have to worry about kind of the the harmful effects of, of fragrances that we've talked about before on on, uh, different episodes. I also, there's a really great cream that we started using uh it's actually a lotion for for frankie it's the the baby bum brand they have a fragrance free everyday lotion it has shea butter in it it's just so awesome so great that i actually use it on a regular basis as well so uh definitely those are two lotions to kind of keep in the bag um to uh, be able to use at home and when you're on the go as well amazing. I'll have to check that out. Thanks for sharing. Mm -hmm. How about you, Lisa? What's your mama must have for this week?
0: Well, I touched on it, but it's going to have to be beets. So uh, (laughs) I've been buying roasted peeled beets from the grocery store, health food store. Um, They're organic and you just uh, have to chop them up. You add them to your salad. So I'm loving that it gives it a little bit of natural sweetness. I just bought some beetroot powder. So I've been adding that to smoothies. So it gives it a nice red color, but also some natural sweetness. And Pete, my husband, who actually doesn't like cauliflower or beetroot, I put those in a smoothie yesterday um, with some carob powder. You know, I amped it up with some blueberries and coconut milk yogurt, but he actually enjoyed it. And then I told him what was in it and he said, oh, it's still good. I'll still have it. So uh, (laughs) I'm loving that. So just shifting from sweetness from those artificial sweeteners to getting back to more food sources. So um, I think those are great additions to smoothies and salads. That's awesome, Lisa. I definitely don't think I have enough beets
1: in my life. So I'm definitely going to take that as some inspiration. (laughs) And it's good for your
0: (laughs) liver too, right? And they're looking at beets to help with blood flow and potentially reducing blood pressure, lots of antioxidants. So it kind of ties in with our topic today. Totally. And And then Tony, what do you have going on lately? Anything we should know about?
1: I am um, a couple weeks away from starting the next hypnobirthing group class um, for expecting parents who are, are looking for, you know, a more natural, gentle birth to and and really, you know, to trust their instincts and as much as possible um, during labor and birth. So you can uh, join me at hypnobirthingcalgary.com um, and check that out. How about you, Lisa?
0: Yeah. So I have a talk coming up on June 7th at the, in the evening on sleep. So you can go to my Instagram account or you can, um, we'll link here in the show notes to it, but you can sign up for that. It's a free sleep webinar. And then my wild collective will be launching. I'll have a next enrollment for that in the fall of 2021. So you can get on the wait list at wildcollectivetoronto.com. If you haven't heard about it, it's an international and revolutionary women's health community initiative. And I have two groups running so far. My first group is almost over, I'm going to miss them. Um, But it's definitely awesome. And the transformations have blown me away. So check that out. That's awesome. So Thanks for joining us, everyone.
1: Again, you can find our show notes at our website, perimenopausalmamas.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We would love for you to subscribe, leave us a review and a five-star rating if you enjoyed this episode, and that helps other perimenopausal mamas to find us as well. Stay safe and healthy, everybody.
0: Until next time. Bye. Bye.